Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. A desire to bring the truth to the forefront and a refusal to back down. The Roy Green Show continues. I'm about to speak with uh, Holly Dunn. She's the author of the book Soul Survivor, and she was the only survivor of an attack by Angel Resendiz. Uh, he was a serial killer in the United States. He was known as the Railroad Killer. Holly's um, boyfriend was was murdered, and there's a reason why she's being very public about what happened to her. But before we speak with Holly, I want to get back to uh, my colleague Alex Pearson from uh, On Point on the Chorus Ontario Radio Network. Alex is in Markham for the uh, Ontario Progressive Conservative Party's convention, Leaders Leaders Convention. And uh, Alex, we've been hearing about technical difficulties delaying the announcement of who the leader is. Well, some people would call them technical difficulties, and I think other camps would call it a recount because it's very, very close. And uh, they want to make sure that they've got the results right. So lawyers have been going in and out of the room. Ken Granite Allen just came out with the pile of media uh, water. But there's definitely something going on behind the scenes because I think many thought that Christine Elliott would walk away with this. And it doesn't appear to be happening that way. So my feeling is that the grassroots were not heard um, and that it's a lot more uh, close than, than we were expected to believe. And I'm hearing that from the top, top sources that I know that are within uh, the campaign. Okay. So we'll uh, be checking in with you again in uh, about a half an hour's time when you join us yeah. for Beauties on the Beast. Uh, yeah. All I right. hope I have something for you. But what I will tell you is that the MPP, the caucus members, do not look happy. So if that tells you anything, okay. we'll check back in. All right, Alex. Thanks so much. Alex Pearson uh, on point is her program evenings on the Ontario Chorus Radio Network. We'll have her back with Catherine, Linda, and Michelle at about the 45-minute mark. There's speculation that Bruce MacArthur, he's the alleged mass murderer in Toronto, been written about nationally, internationally, may be declared Canada's most prolific serial killer by the time it's all over and counted and, and prosecuted and taken care of judiciously. What's the experience when a serial killer sets uh, his or her mind on killing you? Holly Dunn and her boyfriend were attacked by Angel Maturino Resendiz. He was known as the Railroad Killer in the United States. Uh, Resendiz did murder Holly Dunn's boyfriend and left Holly for dead after raping, beating, and stabbing her. Her book is called Soul Survivor. She joins us on the Roy Green Show. Holly, thank you very much for taking the time, and uh, why go public with everything that's happened to you? Thank you, Roy, for having me. Um, truly, I feel like um, I could. I had two choices. I could either crawl into a hole or I could do something about what happened, um, and I chose to do something. And so going public was really a reason to go public was that I wanted the story to be right. I wanted the media to know the, the correct story because so much was being written about what, what, what happened 
and so much of it was incorrect. So at first I was, I was going public to make sure that they got the story right um, because I wanted, I wanted it correct. Um, and so that, that was the first reason I went public. But then also I realized that by going public, I could begin to help others. So really, really a reason to go public for me was to start the, pro- start the process of helping others. When I first uh, read about you and then knew we were going to be talking and uh, consider the fact that you've gone public, and I've worked with a lot of uh, victims, crime victims, organizations in Canada, my sense was that what you were doing was empowering people to, uh, to take charge of their own lives again. To, uh, to, to be themselves again, to, to uh, be strong again and not just allow the person who victimized them, and some attacks are obviously much more egregious than others, but not allow the situation to control, control them for the rest of their lives. Right, right. and you know, I, I, if I can be a voice for other victims, I, I want to be. I want, I want people to know that bad things can happen, that there's life after it does, that you know, you can go on and live a happy life when bad things happen. Um, I think that's a big theme in my book is, you know, that, that it's, it, it is it is the story of what happened to me, but it's also a story of inspiration and, you know, hope. Mm-hmm. I, I think that there's, there's a hope that, that is in my book that, that I want, I want people to have that hope too. What were you doing? What were you and your boyfriend doing when you encountered this Angel Resendez? Um, we were actually um, taking a walk. We were at a college party. We were both, I was 20, he was 21. Um, we were at the students at the University of Kentucky. And we were actually taking a walk um, near the railroad tracks, near where the party was. Um, and, and, you know, we were actually getting up to go back to the party. And he, this man approached us from behind an electrical box. He had been sitting there watching us the entire time we had been walking on the track. And what can you tell us about what took place? I'm, there's a certain amount uh, of hesitancy in my question, which you probably gathered. Well, sure. No, no, no worries. I, you know, I'm used to talking about it, and I'm used to having um, pretty much any question you can imagine asked of me. So I don't, I don't mind answering. Um, so we, um, he tried to rob us. That's what, the first thing he asked was he wanted money. Um, we didn't have any, and we told him that. Um, he made us get down on our knees because Chris was pretty tall. He was 6'5", and this guy was only about 5'6". Um, so he, he had us get down on our knees, and he went through Chris's backpack. At that point, I didn't realize that he had a weapon. He had had a weapon on Chris. It was a knife or an ice pick, something sharp that he had on my boyfriend. Um, and so my boyfriend was complying with everything that he said, and I, I kind of didn't realize what was happening you know, and, and I don't think we realized that our lives were even in danger. Um, that's, you know, he was going through Chris's backpack and it was that thought of give the person who, who's, who's, um, uh, who's robbing you anything they want and they'll leave you alone. It was that thought of, you know, you throw your purse at them and they let you go. They leave you alone. Um, so, you know, that's what we were trying to do. We were offering him our car, our credit cards, our ATM cards. We were just offering him anything we could. Um, he just kept saying no to all of our offers. And he ended up tying us up and gagging us. Um, he hit my boyfriend with a 52-pound rock. Um, he came over to me. He um, raped me, stabbed me, um, beat me, tried to kill me, uh, but did not kill me. I somehow got up to get help at a house about 200 yards away. And um, he 
um, left me there. Think he thought he had killed me, and um, you know, I've that's what I've I've been healing from from that ever since. Um, and you know, it's it it is amazing to tell that story because it feels it, it was 20 years ago, so it, it ha it's it feels now that you know I've come, and that's what I focus on. I've come so far since that occurred that I'm, I'm amazed that, you know, that my life today, that I, I always say that I would never have hoped, I would never have wished for this to happen to anyone. I don't want anything like this to happen to anyone, but my life's passion now has, has is because of what happened. I am able to do what I do today and, and live the life I'm able to live today and have the passion I have because this happened. So I'm really thankful for my second chance at life. You know, I'm looking at a photograph of this Bruce MacArthur who uh, has been charged with multiple murders in uh, Toronto, and, uh, and and it's the same sort of feeling that I got the first time I walked into a federal prison, and I've been in about six or seven of them uh, as a media person and also working on an advisory board for the Federal Minister of Corrections um, or uh, Public Safety in Canada. And they look so normal. They, there's nothing that I suppose in, in, with some of them, their appearance would give away who they are. But with others, they look so absolutely normal. And I can see how people would become victims of uh, a killer by with, with, a, with, a, with an introduction to them where you have no immediate concerns. That wouldn't be the situation you and your boyfriend faced, but it would be what some other people would face. And there was uh, one one person who was thought to have been uh, was, uh, a victim of uh, this, Bruce MacArthur, who said he felt like he was uh, like he was maybe just seconds away from being murdered. So what, what's the uh, what's the message that comes out of Soul Survivor? What's the most fundamental message? Well, I feel that it's Again, I, I feel like there's two audiences. So I feel like there's an audience of for survivors because I seeked out books that were written by survivors in my healing. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's a message for survivors that is just a, that can hopefully that they could could lead them to this book and they could maybe get further along in their healing. Um, and then, but then there's also a message for everyone else that it's just a story of inspiration and of you know hope and. And, and happiness. My book is actually, you know, about happiness because in the end, my life, the, my second chance at life, I've, I've lived a very, very happy life. You're and a wife, you're a mother. Right, I am. I'm a wife, I'm a mother, and I, you know, I have an amazing family and amazing friends. I have an amazing support system, and I, I credit my healing to that. I credit my healing a lot to my support system. I've had and still have an amazing support system. And I'm able to talk about what happened. I think being able to talk about what happened to you, anytime you're, you have anything traumatic happen in your life, being able to talk about it helps it to lose its power over you. It helps mm -hmm. to lose, you lose, it loses the control it has over you when you can talk about it. I have to take a quick break, but one of the things that I've heard from victims who survived a serious attack and I've known a number of people who survived a, an assault on their lives where somebody else did not. It was a sense of guilt they felt that, that they had survived and another person had not survived. We'll come back. We'll talk more with, uh, with Holly Dunn. Uh, she is available for speaking engagements, and her email is holly at hollykdunn.com. That's holly at hollykdunn, D-U-N-N. -N. 
com. So we'll talk more with Holly about Soul Survivor, and I want to ask her about the uh, the guilt some people say they feel that they were able to survive when someone else did not. Resendez, by the way, was convicted in Texas of murder, and he was executed. We'll come back. His bark is worse than his bite. This is the Roy Green Show. Holly Dunn is the author of Soul Survivor, and she is the sole survivor of an American serial killer who killed her boyfriend, Angel Maturino Resendiz, who was executed in Texas. Did uh, when he was executed, was there any sense of of uh, relief? Did it? Uh, how did that affect you, Holly? Uh, there was great relief when he was executed. Uh, you know, there is an, it's not a rational feeling that you feel, or that I felt, that was, you know, I always felt like he could come out and get me, like he could get, break out of prison and come and get me, or somehow get out and come and get me. Um, and I think that that was, you know, a feeling that I felt. It was, it, it was just a, a, a fear that I had. Uh, and that went away when he was executed. I, I feel like justice was served, and I do feel like, you know, there is, there, it, it, it's helpful to, in my healing to know that he's not in the world anymore. How many people did he kill? Um, he's he's um, accused of, uh, it, or has been charged in 15 murders, um, and he's thought to have killed maybe possibly hundreds. They're, they're not positive, you know, they haven't identified all the people that he killed, um, but he he had confessed and was, a, was charged with 15 murders before he was executed. How did you recover? I'll ask you about the guilt question shortly, but how did you recover from all of the things that were done to you? You were raped, you were stabbed, you were attacked with a rock, you were left for dead. Uh, how do you physically and emotionally recover? How did you manage that? Well, I think my family was by my side, um, you know, within hours after this occurred. Um, and I think, you know, I was I was treated very well in the hospital. I was um, you know, not questioned by police except for the who, what, when, where, and why. They were, I guess, somewhat gentle with me. Um, because I was so physically injured, I think that, you know, I was treated a little differently than sometimes most rape victims are treated. Um, and so, you know, I, I was just treated well. I think that I had a good experience with police officers, with doctors, with nurses, with my family. And I think that all helped in my healing, mm-hmm. uh, especially immediately. Um, I, you know, that's, that's a lot of thing that that's what a lot of victims don't have is the support of their family, their friends. Um, you know, they, they're afraid, they, they feel shame. Um, I didn't have those initial feelings because there was such a physical aspect of what happened to me. So I, in the beginning, I wasn't feeling that shame, you know, that comes along with, with rape that you feel like you've done something wrong. I, I felt like I had done absolutely nothing wrong and that this was just a terrible person. So I could put a lot of those bad feelings with him and to know that it, you know, it wasn't my fault because, but I think that I knew that it wasn't my fault because so, such physical things had happened to me. What about the question then of survivor guilt? I definitely um, suffered from survivor's guilt. Um, I didn't talk to my 
my boyfriend that was killed, his name was Chris Meyer, and I did not talk to his parents until um, several months, well, maybe a few months after the attack. Um, and I, I, the reason I didn't talk to them was because of survivor's guilt. I felt terrible that I survived and that Chris didn't and that my parents were getting to, you know, have dinner with me and to be, you know, I was able to be at their house and be around them. And I felt guilty that Chris's parents were alone and they didn't have him anymore. And, you know, I felt guilty that his friends didn't have him anymore. It was, and then I, I felt an even greater guilt when, when he, he was seen at, when he was, it was known that he was, that my attacker was a serial killer. I felt an even greater guilt because I knew that there were so many victims and so many people that he killed, and I was the only one who lived. Um, it, it it definitely was, you know, something that I had to work through. Uh, but I did feel survivor's guilt. Have you been able to really expel this uh, Resendez from your life? You know, I will always be healing, and I say that I say that today. I will always be healing from what he did in my life. But what I've been able to do, and, and I think what has been, you know, great in my healing was that I put all those bad feelings that I didn't want to feel. So I didn't want to feel the anger, the revenge, the hate, the, you know, just all those bad feelings that he caused. He caused all those things in my life. I was angry because he did this. I was, you know, revengeful. I wanted revenge because he had done this. It was all because of him. And so I put all those feelings I didn't want to be feeling I put them with him. And so I was able to go on with my life and to say, I want to focus on the good. I want to focus on helping others, on the good that has come from this. And I don't want to focus on all that bad that he caused. And so I kind of put that with him and I let it go with him. Um, And, you know, I think that was just part of my healing, that I was able to let go of those feelings and to put them with him and to know that he caused them. And that I could go on and live a happy life and that people wanted me to live a happy life. Um, and, you know, that, that's, I think, been, been a key in, in my healing and where I've gotten to today. You're a remarkable person. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'm sure you're giving a lot of people hope, people who find themselves living with the terrible situations they've had to endure and perhaps haven't been able to escape the impact or, or deal with the impact. Um, Holly Dunn's book is Soul Survivor. You can reach her. Her email address is holly at hollykdunn.com. That's Dunn, D-U-N-N, holly at hollykdunn.com, and you can book her for speaking engagements. Thank you so much for joining us, Holly. Thank you for having me. I so appreciate it. All the very best to you. There's Holly Dunn. When we come back, it's Catherine Swift, Linda Leatherdale, Michelle Simpson, and joining us as well will be Alex Pearson from On Point on the Ontario Chorus Radio Network.